You're listening to Free Your Inner Guru, a podcast for big-hearted leaders making a meaningful impact in the world. We dive deep into conversations about conscious leadership, choosing a life of personal growth, spirituality, and the self-help industry, so you can connect to your inner wisdom and become the leader you want to see in the world. To engage with the Free Your Inner Guru community online, you can find me, your host, Laura Tucker, and the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also become a supporting patron or an active member of our private online community at patreon.com forward slash free your inner guru. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. It's my delight and pleasure to introduce this week's episode, part one of a conversation with Brandy Amstel. Brandy is an award-winning sculptor, painter, and filmmaker, and she is featured in the Wondery podcast, Guru, The Dark Side of Enlightenment, that tells the story of what happened when we were in Sedona in October 2009 and present for the sweat lodge led by James Arthur Ray that ended in the deaths of Kirby Brown, James Shore, and Liz Newman. Um, So this is a big conversation with people who've known each other for quite some time and I'll give you, I'll set it up in just a moment. Before I do that, I just need to put big gratitude out for the podcast new patrons. Um, Patreon has become the source of funding for this podcast. And as it moves to the center of my self-expression alongside writing and photography, I'm incredibly grateful for the people who are jumping on board to become patrons. And there's, I just can't say enough uh, about it. So I just want to thank the new patrons by name, um, Catherine Meller, Glenn Doyle, Nell Wagner, Cameron McKeon, Kelly Kloss, Vanessa Holding, Stephen Tucker, Paul Tucker, and Rosemary Tucker. Um, And everyone who is a patron on Fridays is receiving a section of my memoir that I'm writing, which now we're up to 25 patrons. And last Friday morning when I was sending it out, I was nervous. I was surprisingly nervous to, um, to be sharing with that many people, which is kind of hilarious because hundreds and hundreds of people listen to this podcast and visit my website, but this is so much more intimate. And, uh, and so I'm having a good laugh at my own expense right now, which is a great way to set up this conversation, ironically. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about Brandy. So Brandy is a multidisciplinary artist. She is one of the most creative people that I know. And one of the things that she says during this conversation that caught my attention and made my heart sing is, being expressed is my art. And the title that we chose for this episode is... um, from suppression to full self-expression. And most of the time I don't consult with my guests on what they would like their episode to be called. But in this case, I felt it was very important. You see, Brandy has been extremely courageous over the years, lending her voice to various um, projects that are telling the story of of what happened in Sedona when uh, Kirby Brown, James Shore and Liz Newman lost their lives. And as much as sometimes we would prefer it to be otherwise, this is something that 
comes around in the mainstream media um, once every few years. And this is the first time that I've spoken with anyone who was there with me about why they can, we continue to say yes to these projects, despite um, being persistently um, minimized or suppressed in the final cuts. Now, if you've listened to Guru, The Dark Side of Enlightenment, you might be surprised to hear me say that because I'm in four episodes and the Q&A. But, you know, there is a more nuanced conversation that as survivors and participants, we would like to have. We would like people to think of us as more than followers and more than um, people to scorn because um, we are fully human beings and this is a nuanced story. Now, it's more nuanced than the mainstream seems to be able to handle at this point, but we have faith that um, as much as we wish the story would go away sometimes, we have faith that there is a bigger conversation to be had. And the least I can do with a podcast of my own is create the time and space for Brandy, who is in episodes one and two of Guru, and she, her voice is there alongside mine describing what happened in the sweat lodge or some of what happened in the sweat lodge, because two people on their own couldn't even possibly encapsulate how complex um, a situation it was. But then that's it. Any awareness, any lessons, any opinion um, to this point has always been cut out. And so I wanted to have Brandy here as my guest and throw the floor wide open to her. And, and so this is a conversation between two friends who share a very challenging experience, who agree on a lot of things and have complementary ideas on others. And uh, just to set it up for you, this is a fairly long episode and it is complete, but it is a part one because after we finished recording, we sat back in our chairs and continued to talk. And before we knew it, um, I felt compelled to press record again. So there's a shorter part two coming up that I couldn't quite edit in elegantly. So it's going to stand alone. So this, I give you Brandy Amstel, part one of From Suppression to Full Self-Expression. Enjoy. Our guest today on Free Your Inner Guru is Brandy Amstel. Brandy is a friend. She's a fellow spiritual warrior. She's an artist. She's a creative. Um, most recently, she gave her voice to the Wondery podcast, Guru, The Dark Side of Enlightenment. And uh, I reached out to Brandy after I finished listening to the whole thing. And uh, we had a great big conversation. We hadn't spoken in a few years. Um, but we had a big conversation that ended up in an invitation to join me here on the podcast and to maybe share, fill in, comment. We're, we're very willing to go with the flow here, but it's my pleasure to introduce you to, to Brandy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Laura. I'm super grateful to be here today and ha have an opportunity to chat with you and then also just to, to express, to share what transpires in throughout my journey. 
Absolutely. And a journey it is, right? Like this Mm -hmm. has been many, many years in the making. You and I, I guess, first met in 2008. It had to be um, at some events down in the southwestern states with uh, James Arthur Ray. And, uh, and then over the years, we've stayed in touch as well on and off. So it's really great to reconnect here for others to participate in, I think, what's going to be um, maybe a different conversation than we've had in the past. For the listeners who are not familiar with the story, um, because I understand a number of people will be tuning in because they are, um, you know, maybe feel like they're intimately familiar having listened to Guru. What happened was that we were both on a personal development um, journey. We can call it personal development, self-help, spiritual. It was different for everybody who was there. Um, and in October 2009, we were both in attendance at the retreat Spiritual Warrior, where the now, um, I don't know if infamous is the right word to use, but it was definitely tragic. Um, three of our fellow participants died in a sweat lodge type ceremony. And uh, and then invent, events ensued, including a trial and the whole bit. And if you want intimate hours and hours of content on that, there is the Wondery podcast, but we're here to make sure that Brandy has a voice and I continue to have a voice in this forum. So maybe it would be a great place to start, Brandy, to give you some time to really um, articulate what what brought you to those workshops in the first place. Like, was were they your first personal development workshops, or because they were mine? I had never gone to anything like that, and I think our 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 you know, where we came together may have been different if I remember. Yeah, I um, have been, I love how you say the personal development, self-help, like I I love that. And I, and I feel it's important to really note the difference through time. Um, Like we're talking, uh, it's been over 20 years that I have been on the journey of self-discovery and so um, it led, it, I don't know, even as a child, like I always felt really connected to Mother Earth. I felt connected at a different level. And that was because of where I grew up. And um, I grew up on a very remote ranch. Um, I was homeschooled. I was an hour from the nearest town. No electricity, no telephone, like super remote. So all there was was that connection. So I always felt this, there's something bigger and then I'm here for a purpose. And then as I grew up and started flying the nest to my own um, destinations <laughs> along the way, you know, college and, and such, I was always curious about like those books, the things that were out there that continued to expand that, that I could feel connected and feel that expansion. And then I met a dude and um, he invited me to a program called. Um, the forum, which was landmark education, which is a um, thing pat, a, a derivative of est back in the day, which has all kinds of negative stuff to it. But um, I actually did the landmark forum, and uh, that was in my early twenties. And I see I, I, at that time I felt so grateful to be able to um, get that guidance at such an early age, because I saw in those programs, people that were in their, you know, later life and, and like 
the amount of baggage that they were having to sort through and the amount of time that they had spent on spinning their wheels or a path that was not really theirs that was handed down to them and they didn't even realize it like was super eye-opening for me. And I was like, hmm, wow, I'm so grateful that this came to me. And so I did landmark education for um, a decade. I mean, like a long time. So I had been in, I, I coached it. Um, everything is free and volunteer based. Well, everything is not free. To participate uh, initially is a cost. But then after that, if you want to coach or anything like that, and give back. It's all volunteer base. And so like I was in that for a number of years and um, I think I redid the curriculum. They have three parts to that. And it was like, uh, I think it took you a couple years maybe to get through that. And I repeated that three times. I coached many parts of it and I did every, like I did it all. I didn't know a lot of that about you. If I did, I'd forgotten. What I do remember is, is that your remote um, upbringing and that you had started on the journey relatively a lot earlier than I did. I was in my early forties as is liberally discussed in, in guru where I was, you know, 40, I think 41 single, still had some ideas on a family and was there for, I had always been a reader like and and some of my early books are still on the shelf behind me I've just kind of kept them as mementos you know but um but it was I never felt the need I thought I quote unquote you know had it handled up until I was running again up against what was a really a, a real barrier which would have been the biological clock Right. Mm -hmm. So that was what was where the pressure was coming from for me to start looking inwards more. I I was starting to notice that much like, um, well, much like I heard a lot of when I was a young child, I was blaming everybody around me for my horrible results. And, um, and that, as we both know now, and as many people know, that doesn't really get you very far. So, yeah. Yeah. So we came in at, you know, different, different access points. Um, so you were on the journey, um, I think longer with James Ray, I think longer than I was, I came in relatively late in the whole cycle. Um, what other than maybe him and his personality, what kept you coming back? I'm a filmmaker. And at that particular time, I was heavy into the film industry. And so I, it was about the same time as um, trying to figure out the self-distribution thing. Like things were changing. Models were changing. Already with cameras, things were changing, right? Like we'd gone from film, which was not affordable for people in college, my age at that time, you know, or like shortly thereafter, like it was not an option really to, to do film and this whole thing. And so then we started going digital and then that opened up a whole new can of worms. And so it was like, and that was about the same time as the secret came out and the secret sold 7 million copies independently. And I was heavily in uh, the, the, the conversation about, okay, how is it this, as a independent filmmaker living not in LA, but in Austin, Texas, how can I make a living? How can I get my film out there? How can I have more people? And how do I, how do, I do that? And here was a model for, holy moly, there's an independent film 
that has just gone crazy. Seven million copies. How did they do it? So that's why I watched the film. I bought the film so that I could watch it, figure out what their model was and duplicate it. <laughs> so I know that sounds super crazy, crazy and not related at all to why in the world I'm even in this. It actually, you know, I don't think it sounds crazy. I think it sounds extraordinarily practical. <laughs> well, there right? you go. Like, yeah. you know, you're like this artist creative and it sounds, it, it sounds extraordinarily um, practical and strategic. Hmm. And so, so there you were. There and, I was. And so and you're, you're already a workshopper at that point and there's workshops happening. It, it, exactly. So it just so happened that in two weeks, there was a free event from one of the people from the secret that was going to be in my city. It's like, whoa, wow, stars are lining up. I am going to get to go and figure this out. And I actually went to one of those initial um, events of James's because there were just, uh, there were three speakers, I think that kind of, I, I really resonated with what they had to say in addition to like, here's this model. And they just happened to be coming to my city and it was free. Oh my gosh. Like it just seemed like, okay, I'm going. So I went as an observer. I went as, oh, I'm going to check this out. Um, and I, I was actually a little floored watching it all happen and watching it from like the mechanics of, wow, there's a, there's a, there's a charismatic being on the stage that's saying some stuff. There's some, some cues, right. To get people to run to the back and holy moly, do you watch the people going to the back? Wow. Like I was like amazed at that actually. And I must say that while sitting there, because I, I am also was in that whole world of personal development and like I wanted to be the best version of myself for sure, always. And I was super clear that there was always stuff that I didn't know and that if I could continue to expand that, then yeah, all right, awesome. So as I was listening and observing for both of these reasons, I actually felt myself to go, oh, wow, I, this would be interesting. Why not? You know, I've been doing this other thing for so long. Why not change it up a bit? Let's see. Like, it sounds kind of, I, I, I resonate with some of the things that are being said. They make sense to me. And so I actually uh, told my husband about it. They were having an event because that's now later I realized the full mechanics of it all was that that free event actually gets you to go to a paid event, which is like, yeah, you know, that mid-level a, a payment level, right? Yeah. And I so remember it was around 300 bucks. Like, it was inexpensive. It might have been for a one, weekend, whatever, right? And if you yeah. brought your friend, they came for free. Woo! <laughs> you know, like it seemed like no big deal. Um, so my husband and I actually decided to do it together. Um, at the time, he wasn't my. Oh, he was my husband. Yeah. So we did it together. And I was like, oh, what was that timeline again? Oh, um, I know. I do it all the time. I'm like, hey. Oh, <laughs> timeline. Uh, Believe it or not, there are other aspects to life than spiritual warrior and everything that happened around it. It's hard to imagine. For those not around us. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I'm like, oh, that was a thing that happened. Oh. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so we went to that event and at that event, we, we both, we had a blast. It was fun, right? It was high energy. It was, I mean, everything that people have read or heard about in the previous Wonderly event or mm -hmm. the, the documentaries before, like they are high energy. Um, it, what struck me the most was it was a room of like, I don't know, this felt like maybe 400 people. It was in Dallas. So it was really big. 
and um, way bigger than the other events that I typically had been to. And it was all people that were successful. They had resources, like money to go and just spend this and do this for a weekend and like live it up. And everybody was having fun. They were curious how they could make a bigger difference, how they could make, uh, how they could achieve more in their life. Their life was pretty much awesome. And it was like, how do we kick it up a notch? So that energy was exciting. And yeah, some of the things that James was saying were things that they weren't really new to me. They were things I had heard before. I had just done landmark. I had done like a lot of read it, lots of reading. I mean, like it wasn't new information, but it was put together in a string that was different, his unique way, his little spin. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I knew from doing landmark education in their particular programs multiple times, like three times I've done the whole curriculum. Every time I would go to a seminar or an event or whatever, and hear almost the same information presented and maybe even the same person in front of me, I was a different person sitting in that chair at that time. And so I heard things differently. I may have just blown it off before, but now it was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I should take a look at that now. I'm ready. So it was more like who I was in the chair. And through Landmark, what I got was it wasn't about the person that was speaking. The person on stage in that kind of training and development was, it's not about the person, it's not about the leader. It's about me in my chair and the information and the distinctions that are being presented to me and how it is that I want to move through it. What am I ready and willing to take on and take a look at? So here I am, James up there doing his little thing up on stage and it almost didn't matter. It was good that he was entertaining, but it was very theatrical. And it was more about the people because I saw a difference in the people. They were playing at a different level because they had invested at a different level. And they, many of them had traveled a long ways. I mean, some people were coming from different countries to come to this Dallas event. Word, there's my Lord. Yeah, you're talking to one now. Not that I was at that Dallas event, but I traveled to, um, well, I, I, well, it was Oakland. But I wanted to get back to, um, to San Francisco because I had been there before and now I had my real camera, which just happens to be sitting behind me. You can see it. And I wanted to go back and photograph the Palace of Fine Arts. Like, I think everybody had all of these different motivations. And you're reminding me that in my, when I came into the environment, oh my God, like, I felt like I had met my people. I really did. Like the, the, it's such, and it even it's heartbreaking now just thinking about it because you know of of what happened with all of the splintering of the mm-hmm. the the community of people around uh, James Ray. But I felt like I'd met my people, and my background as a teacher, I came into that environment after years of working in a fairly grueling environment in the car industry, in the car dealerships, you can imagine day in, day out when you're like the creative soul like me. Um, It was good work and it was super lucrative, but it wasn't very inspiring. Like the people always inspired me, but the work itself was um, onerous to say the least, especially in the recession. And so I came into that room And uh, you may have even been there at the time in in Oakland in 2008, but I came into the room and at first 
I was just like, oh my God, what have I, what have I got myself into? Because of all of the, you know, there is now I'm a bit cynical and I will, I will use words like hype when I'm feeling cynical, but there was all of the, the production and the energy and the, the dancing and, and, you know, and so the cynic looking back, I have to remember that at one point I became one of those people who was doing that. So I can't be hypercritical of it. It's fun to do. It's fun to be a part of that environment. And I was looking at it like, oh, there's other ways to use the skills that I have. Mm. And that, if you want to talk about enlightening, that was enlightening. Mm. And that informed how I got involved, not through um, the sort of the, the inner circle path, but through the coaching and speaking and mentoring path, which really showed me, you know, who I would become. And that's what it's all about, right? Like being shown who you're going to become if you're, if you're looking for it. Yeah. If you're looking for it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and I'm I'm thinking back, like you asked the question, um, like what, how do you keep coming back? So it was the people, but then it was at that time at that event in Dallas, we actually registered um, because we loved the community and we loved the people. We actually enrolled in world wealth society and so, at, which was part of being his part of the inner circle, and um, that allowed us to be with play at a different level with people that were really committed to making a difference in the world collectively together, like pooling together to make a bigger impact. And so we were so excited about that. And part of that is that you go to all the programs. So. What kept me going was, well, I signed up for it. And now here is every chance I get to be with this community of people. And the things that got generated and created in the community was more of a drive than actually just the speaker. And yes, it was cool because that was the commonality. Oh, he goes and we, we go to this event and we get to hear these things and we have that commonality. But it was really about the the relationships and the connections that were made and the conversations that were had in between events. Yeah. And I'm looking back and, and this is, this feels a little uncomfortable to say, but in hindsight with everything that happened, but you know, he was the lightning rod that did attract all those amazing people. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a fact yeah. and there's, you can't change actual facts And so, you know, I still look, and even as we're going through, like every time a production comes around or the opportunity to think you're going to share your story in a constructive way comes around, you know, it it causes this whole reevaluation. It's it's just like you described going back to the events. It's like going back to that old book and going, opening it up again and going, you know, here we go Mm -hmm. into some of the, um, you know, heavier aspects of, of the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so that I think does a really good job establishing, you know, the context of what the experience was, was giving to you. And I assume, and I remember you were actively at the same time. It's not like that was all you did. Like I was going home to go and slog it out supporting my uh, car dealership clients in the automotive industry and, and keeping my livelihood going, taking care of my dog and, you know, establishing myself in Kelowna you were, you had a film at that point. You were looking for distribution. Mm. Wasn't that happening at the same time? Uh, I had a film. Or that came later? No, I had, I think I had a couple of films actually that were on the festival circuit. So I was still, uh, I was a leader in the film industry here in Austin. Um, 
served on the board of uh, board of directors for a couple of nonprofit organizations that helped supported women filmmakers and and other filmmakers. And um, so I had a production company. I uh, that we we made movies. We made uh, we we shot live music. Well, you did a lot of different things. And so, yeah, there was, this was just like the, everybody chooses to spend their weekends the way they spend their weekends. And for us, sometimes it was traveling to cool places and hanging out with really cool people and um, delving, setting aside time for me to be with me and actually ask some really big questions that sometimes when I'm in my life, uh, there's just, thing after thing after thing going on. And I don't have time to like step back and really take a look at it from a different perspective. So here was a structure that was put in place about once a quarter or, you know, every so week, few weeks, I had a chance to immerse in that without the grind of life and all the things that had to, that, that go with running your, your house and your business and, and all of that stuff. So, yeah. So fast forward October 2009 and mm-hmm. we won't we will not belabor um the details of the sweat lodge I think if anyone is actually curious you can hear in my voice and Brandy's voice a fairly thorough description of what the actual sweat lodge experience was like in episode two of guru I'm not interested in doing that right now and I'm not interested in putting you through that right now mm-hmm. um but let's talk a bit about you know, the spiritual warrior experience outside of the, the sliver of it that's represented in other public places. Um, I don't know about you, but I was super looking forward to going to Sedona, just like heading back to San Francisco. I was like, Oh my God, I was in Sedona in 2001 and I had an amazing week plus three days down in Scottsdale with a couple of girlfriends and, you know, just like, at that point, there was never any doubt whether or not I would go to a spiritual warrior because of the location and my drive to, you know, use my camera. But also it was going to be for me, my last event Mm -hmm. um, in a very different way. So going to Sedona was, you know, we arrive at Angel Valley, every other, every other event had been at a fairly luxurious location, whether people were rooming with people or not. There's always a travel expense and everything else. So it's quite an investment. What is there anything you want to talk about with about that entire work, you know, experience that's been overlooked or that you feel like hasn't been given voice yet? Hmm. Think about that. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much, right? Because uh, we I've done, uh, I guess, three interviews for I guess three, three main interviews, right? And I've sat for hours in these interviews (laughs) and the thing that gets pulled out is the recollection of the details of having witnessed people coming out of the sweat lodge. And so I've actually said these several times. And so it's like, okay, well, what's really important, right? Like, obviously it's not important or they would have put it in. And that's not not important to them. Correct. That's what I really see right now is it's like, um, yeah. So for me, Sedona was, I was no longer in World Wealth Society. Uh, we had, our, our year was up. We chose not to renew because it just really wasn't what we anticipated, what we thought we had signed up for. And we, um, 
in the sense that we weren't getting to make the difference. Like we really thought when we signed up that the money was going to make a big difference. And so there was a miscommunication or something along the way in that, um, you know, we had to, any difference that we wanted to make as a group, as a, a world wealth society was outside of what we had already paid. And so anyway, it, there was just a lot of things that eh, it didn't feel good anymore. We were not going to re-sign up. And so, um, and I had done all the programs, right? So that, right. Yeah, that was part of it, except for the pinnacle program, which was spiritual warrior. And, um, all of the people that I was, you know, was part of my community, the World Wealth Society, we traveled, we did a lot of things together, even outside of the other events. Uh, like we went to Egypt together for, you know, a couple of weeks and um, had Cabo San Lucas. There was lots of other events that we went to that was just for that group of people, the inner circle. And um, a large group of them, let's put it, I don't even know how many had gone to Spiritual Warrior in 2008. And I chose not to at that time because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, we're already doing so much stuff. I still have a business to run. I have a film mm-hmm. that's in festivals. I have, I have places to be, things, other things to do, right? And so I couldn't, I, I did not take the time to do that one in 08. It wasn't calling to me at that time. Um, at that, because we went to Egypt right after the 2008 event, like most of the people went from their spiritual warrior in 08 right to, to Egypt. Egypt. And so here we all show up in Cairo and there's some people with shaved heads. There's like, what? What just happened to you guys? Right. And so I got to hear stories the secrecy of it all, right? Like, oh, well, we're not going to tell you any details, but oh my gosh, it is such an amazing event. You have to go, you have to do it next year. And so there was all of that, all of that going on amongst people that I consider my friends. Like, and I still do consider many of them my friends, but there was that conversation of, holy moly, I had to go to Spiritual Warrior. So when it came back around, it was like, oh, okay, I really do want to do the Pinnacle program. I've got a lot of rave reviews from people I trust that it's, it's, it's worth doing. Um, and so I was excited to go to Spiritual Warrior. And, um, and there was a couple of us that hadn't been the, you know, in 08 that we're going to do it together. So there were other people actually attending spiritual warrior too. So it was also, we were getting to do it together. Mm-hmm. And, um, since I wasn't a part of the new world wealth society and I had, I didn't go to, uh, any of the other events after that year, cause I'd already done them. Um, I didn't get to see some people. So this was my first chance to see some of those people from April and here it was in September. October. October, right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't even remember the dates. Uh, Anyway, in October. So it was like a reunion for me to get to go and see some people I hadn't seen in a long time. And I was really excited about that. Um, Yeah. Like the, the, the community theme runs really, really deep for, for, for both of us, but that's what I'm really hearing from you. Um, Do you want to, let's, this is a good opportunity to talk a bit about the interviews you have given. Um, I know two of them for sure. 
One of them would have been Enlighten Us, the documentary that we're, we're both in. And one of them is Guru, the podcast, um, true crime podcast that we're both in. The third, was that yeah. a network so, thing or? Yeah, that was uh, 2020, which I believe is on a- ABC. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it was right after. So, um, you know, right after we uh, experienced the sweat lodge and went home. <laughs> it was um, shell shock for sure about like, whoa, what, what just happened? Like, I, I don't even know what I think about all of that. I just need some time to decompress and just figure it out, like heal mm-hmm. for, first and then figure it out because there were other things going on. But, um, you know, where was I going? Oh, so immediately in the absence of a voice from anyone at the sweat lodge was a lot of media hype and speculation and filling in blanks that they had no right to fill in blanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't there. So, um, you know, it, it, it turned into a circus. <laughs> like just, oh, I watched it from home from pretty much a prone position on my couch I don't think, I think my phone may have rang, but at that point in time, I was not picking up. Yeah, I, um, I, I really wasn't either. I it wasn't until, I guess, um, December. Like there, it was, there was a gap, right? And um, so much, just every time I looked at, a, at an article, uh, watched anything, like a, there were still things going on the down below on the the TV programs, right? The little news flashes. Yeah, the tickers. Yep. Yeah. Um, And it was like, oh gosh. And then the people that I would interact with, right? Like they would say things about, oh my God, I saw you were in that thing. And, and, you know, they would have their reaction and like, it was all frantic and all this stuff. And or judgmental, very, very judgmental. No, there was no judgment. Was there? (laughs) <laughs> sarcasm <laughs> um, I know it doesn't flatter me but I couldn't help myself <laughs> I'm like I don't really know how to play sarcasm but yes um and so I did uh get a call and I was like wow I don't want to do this I don't I really just want to sleep away and like let this die down um it, I don't know why I would do it like it doesn't, there's nothing good that can really come of it. But I was so tired of them talking about how we were lemmings. That was really the big thing at that yeah. point. The first three months was these were a bunch of lemmings and they just did whatever they were told and people got hurt and people were actually angry at the people that were in that um, sweat lodge. Like we had done something to people and like, or that we hadn't done something. And there was a lot of blame and just people were hurting. There there were people in the, in the community that were hurting. There were people, I can't believe you're saying these things about James. Ah, There was a lot. And so I just was so tired and I was, I kept asking the question of like, why in the world was I there? Why didn't I die? Why, why did I get to live? what was my purpose in all of this? What in the world am I supposed to do with it? And like, those were the questions that were going on. Absolutely. And as I kept hearing them say things about 
uh, Kirby and James and Liz, because at that point, Liz had passed and it started to amp up even more about how, how people just didn't understand how this could happen. And I was like, whoa, okay, I have to be brave. I have to say something. I saw this for a reason and I have to trust that speaking up right now to be a voice for the voiceless is what has to happen. Even though I can't figure out why this cannot be good for me to step up. It cannot be good. And so I did, I did. I flew to San Diego. That's where that interview was. And they just said that they wanted to hear from victims of the sweat lodge. And I was like, awesome. Finally, somebody wants to hear from somebody that was actually at the sweat lodge instead of everybody just making shit up. Like that's what it felt like was the void there for a while. And I get there and the interview happened. There was other people which were part of it. So I think there was actually six of us. And um, the way they pieced it together, because it didn't actually air until summer. And so there's still like all of this, nobody really speaking from the, uh, that was actually there. And um, it was terrible. It was really, really horrific. It was very unkind. It was very unkind. I, I can give you, if I know we, we haven't talked about this piece for a long time, but from, you know, the perspective of now an involved observer, because at that point I, I wanted to wade in, but I also knew that a, I had to, you know, I'm up in Canada. It's, it's difficult and expensive unless they really, really want you. And, uh, and also it was becoming clear to me by all the phone calls that I was fielding from um, lawyers, not the prosecution. Um, They never bothered to contact me prior to the trial. They had me walk in there cold, which still to this day, um, I am, that wasn't cool. But, um, but seeing that, well, I knew that I think it's in my best interest for now to be quiet because it is becoming increasingly clear that I'm going to be on a witness stand um, and quite involved in this trial. I just needed to not air anything around the details. I didn't think it would be fair to Liz's family. I didn't see how it could help my already damaged reputation and relationships. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and it was just watching that I wept, I wept for all of us, but I wept for you guys so hard because Mm -hmm. you could just tell that it was not a fair representation Mm -hmm. of anything that any of you stood for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when, and, and I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, so like I totally get the editing process and I'm sure you do too, as a podcast editor, you know, um, you, you can pretty much, it's called movie magic. <laughs> you can make people say almost anything you want them to say. You just cut it in such a way that it works out. And so, so they, they really latched on a couple of things, um, that uh, they made a whole big thing about my hair. And I was like, whoa, really? Really? Because that didn't even really play into the equation. The hair thing was like not even like a whole thing, but they made it about it. They called me G.I. Jane, like something like that. Like it was like G.I. Jane. It's like I was a spiritual warrior 
And that was some, oh, I was just like, oh no, what just happened? What just happened? And then um, they took my words and they said, I trusted him. They took that, cut it. I, they, I trusted him a hundred percent. They didn't get the rest of the comment, right? Like they just cut yeah. it and kind of placed it in the way in the story so that I was even following the narrative of um, I was weak. I was blind. I was just following him, doing whatever they, like it started to follow that narrative of, uh, I didn't Lemming. have Lemming. Lemming. Yeah. Like I, that, that's how they cut it together. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what just happened here? My words got twisted to make me, and the, the, the full phrase had nothing to do with being a Lemming, but like, uh, anyway. So yeah, but my experience wasn't great for that. And so when I was presented many years later, uh, <laughs> with the opportunity to be in an enlighten us, I was excited because it was like, oh, finally, I get to redeem myself from that terrible interview. And um, it, it was actually another part of the reason why I did it was like, okay, I get to redeem myself. One, yes, and two, it was because like all of a sudden, uh, the, what was how it was presented was we get to be a voice about the transformational industry because they had just now more time has passed and the trial had happened and it still looked like we were lemmings a week and did what we were told. And I was like, holy moly, at what point are we going to actually get to tell the truth from our perspectives? <laughs> and so it was like, okay, so I don't feel like personal development, the, you know, the journey of exploration as a human being is a bad thing. And I just kept being like fall, folded in that this is how it was. And, and then I, my story kept adding to it instead of like being a voice for, no, I don't believe that at all. And so here was an opportunity. And they said that they were going to have it be about that. Like I was going to get to be a voice for the, the personal development industry and like how it was you know, like where it's at and how it's moved through and where, what I've learned through the process. And I was like, Oh, Finally, I'm going to get to be a voice. So I was really excited about that. And then, you know, it didn't work out that way at all because, again, I didn't fit the narrative. The very long interview um, didn't, you know, it was couched as, uh, and actually this is more interesting, the, 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 when I was sitting in the chair, very clear, I had many very long conversations with the people before the production team about that. I did not want it to be like those last things. Like that could not happen. <laughs> I did not want to be made an idiot or a fool or turned my words around to tell some crazy narrative that I don't even believe in. And um, so here we are sitting, having the conversation. The first thing is like, well, can you tell us uh, and your experience in sweat lodge? And I'm like, Oh my God, like here we go again. I don't want to talk about that. Like we already know those. If you watch the trial, you got to hear the gory details in a very explicit manner. Mm -hmm. And um, they were like, well, just for the, just for the context of the, you know, the story for the editor and all of that. And I'm like, okay. So I was actually a little sharp, a little gruff and a little mm. like, like a little bit just cause I, I didn't want them to use that. And so when I'm sitting at the opening 
of the film. Tribeca. At Tribeca. And I see myself and the being in there was a little put out, a little gruff, to the point, sharp, and just like, like, I can't believe I'm having to tell this story again like this. Yeah. And that's the part that got made. That's the, the part they used. Of course and it I'm is. Like, oh my gosh. So here we yeah. go again. And so there was a lot for me to get over through that interview. The initial one was, you know, the AB, the 2020 was like, oh my God, I'm like even more scarred than I was. And then Tribeca happened and it was like, oh my God, I'm even more scarred than yeah, that was at a different level. And then here comes an invitation to be a guru. part of Wonderly, yeah, whatever, the guru thing. I didn't even know that was a title until after it was released. So yeah. let's, before we get into that, because I cannot, we haven't even talked, aside from one initial conversation, we haven't really gone into any depth into this guru podcast. Yes. Um, first of all, um, isn't it interesting that the timing of the whole thing around Enlighten Us, because you contacted me, I know you had lots of conversations um, you took the role of contacting me to say, hey, Laura, there's a documentary. You had seen that I just come back from Sedona with um, Tony. Um, mm-hmm. It was his first time being there. And and uh, and I wanted to show him this beautiful place that mm-hmm. he only had negative connotations for. Yeah. And uh, and you, I guess you saw it and, and reached out. And I remember being so happy to speak with you. And mm-hmm. that was probably our first time. Um, and then there was this whole buildup thinking that between me, you, and Julie, um, thinking about, oh, this is going to come out and we're, gonna, we're, we're going to be able to be heard. The participants are going to be seen as, you know, human beings. And, uh, and then we meet in New York for Tribeca, something that could have been really a cathartic um, healing experience. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, we were calling it sweat lodge 2.0 yeah. amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to ask the question that maybe even listeners are going to ask one out here from both of us, like three strikes, you're out, right. Or two <laughs> strikes, you're out. Wondery comes along and here, and, and, and we both said yes again. You know, like I came to, I eventually came to peace with Enlighten Us once I saw the audience reaction and, mm. and I, I kind of, well, I've got some opinions I'll share later in this because they also relate to this podcast, but it was, it is a fairly solid visual retelling that it freed me up from ever having to speak about it again. Like if someone was trying to talk to me about it and they had that, they had that, you know, that that vibe that people who are just interested in the notoriety of it or the judgment that, you know, they have, I would just say, go, if you're really interested, there's a 90 minute documentary. You you can go watch that on Netflix, right? Like don't put me through it again. (laughs) You know? So, so, so here it comes around again in now 10 years later, because I think this started kicking up around to the 10 year anniversary last October. Mm -hmm. Um, By this point, are you, has your reason for doing these things changed at all? Absolutely. I just kind of stepped away from everything, right? Like everything. Cause um, yeah. And let's just leave it at that for now. But I, I stepped away from, from all of it. I didn't really care to complete, you know, 
to having that conversation over and over and over again, just same, same as you, right? I, I was done with it. I was presented with this opportunity. And initially I was like, I, and I was actually a little short with Matt um, and the, the, one of the producers and was like, you know, why, why would I do this? <laughs> and and uh, I sat with it for a long time, just like, well, not a long time, but I mean, like over a few days, like, why would I do it? And uh, I was like, it's a, it's 10 years later. I haven't even thought about it in years. Like it just really doesn't come up in my life at all. I have a pretty extraordinary life filled with things that I love. Why would, and I've really worked at curating my life that way so that I get to live in joy. I get to live in expression and freedom and all these amazing places. So why would I go there? I, it doesn't even matter. And like, it is what it is. And people think what they think, and it's not going to change their opinions. And so it's just, it's places in my energy is not needed. <laughs> and so um, I, I was like, huh, this, they want me to do this. And so I actually sat in prayer and meditation and just asked into it. Why? Because I, I do have a lot of, um, in my own life, there was the, the inquiry about why would I express it all? Why would I say anything? Why am I on social media? Like I used to do a daily during that Tribeca time, I was doing a daily uh, a show living powerfully with Brandy Amstel. I did it every day and I did it on Facebook, Periscope, you know, everywhere. Right. And it, it was so important. Like the evolution of me was, uh, I have to get my voice out there. Like I saw this for a reason. I have to get it out there. And then even from not, a, not pertaining to sweat lodge was, you know, I'm here on this planet to express, to, to get my voice out there. And the model was, you know, how do you monetize your voice? And then we see the explosion of Instagram stars and, you know, all this different stuff. Right. And, and it just got really icky. And it started to feel a lot like the the rest of that. All of it felt uh -huh. very like okay. This is this is not flow. This is not bringing me joy. It's not easy. It's it's like something is wrong with me. I'm not getting enough likes, or why am I? It must not be important. You know, if I'm not getting people to see my stuff, then people must not want to hear it, right? And so there was that. So I just kind of moved away all the way from everything and started to feel more about what is expression. Why would I talk? Why would I use my voice for anything? What's the purpose? And so this was in alignment with that. It was, and, and you know, I've spent years, at least four years working on really, why would I express what is it that I'm truly meant to say? Not to teach or because somebody needs to hear it or they need to know that there's people out there that will prey on you in the uh, spiritual development world or like all of that stuff <clears throat> yep. that seems to be the narrative. It was, it's more like, why would I express? And what I came to was, I express because it's in me and it has to come out. It has to express, not for an in order to like, I'm you know, trying to have people hear me or I need to get more likes or whatever. So go back to um, Wonderly and I just released all attachment. The only reason I would do it is first and foremost, because I'm being nudged. I'm being, I'm trusting that intuition. The intuition saved my life in the sweat lodge. What's it going to do this time if I listen to it? Like if I truly listen to it. And so um, 
it, I kept getting the nudge every time I was like, ah, I don't want to do it. I have no reason. It would say, you should share, you should do it. You should do it every time. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to trust that. Like I have to trust that even if there's one person that listens to that podcast that needed to hear something I said, then it was worth it. Like it's, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like just release it and trust. So it, I did the interview. It was very long. And, um, like, again, I just got to recollect, recollect my experience of what I saw and I still didn't get to be heard. And, and so that's what leads us here, right. To where we are. Right. But like, that's why I would keep subjecting myself to it is, is because this, I got to a different place. And even with this, it's like, okay, I don't, there, I don't have anything to teach anyone. There's not like I have to save someone's life so they don't find themselves in a same situation. I don't have this responsibility. Like that has left. Before I felt very responsible. It was no one else was speaking for Kirby and James and Liz. And I felt I had to do it. Like I, I owed, there was a responsibility. And now I don't have it. We shared that and then I'm, and it's always portrayed and it's always central because of, because of me speaking up in, in, during the ceremony and, and James not listening, you know, mm-hmm. a, a moment that I'm sure everyone involved w- wishes they could have taken back. Um, and so I've, I felt that I didn't do enough. Right. And there is an element of truth to that, that that's what was so, and so incredibly painful because you know, not only did I have the experience, I had that um, burden of responsibility. And I think that's why I felt very strongly about staying out of the media, keeping, you know, influences in my mind and in the conversations away. So I could just show up at the trial, speak fact without being influenced and, you know, and complete my responsibility. Um, it's not, ne- it's never really felt complete, but there's something in the retelling. And also I've been, I've been involved in the industry for the past five, six years. So, and I, I hate a lot of what I see mm-hmm. and it's almost like subjecting myself to what is toxic and, and seeing that in order to be successful in the, the traditional way of self-help, you almost have to engage in the tactics and you almost have to, you know, I haven't been able to find another way. So this whole experience this time around, which now I'm really excited for both of us to share about this time around is different for me this time around. There's been more, and it's not because I'm, I'm as prominent as I am. It's because of what's been going on behind the scenes and my, you know, my state of readiness to say, basically, fuck it. You know, like I'm, I'm done. I'm so done and the freedom in that and remembering that what my real dream was, you know, and uh, it had nothing to do with becoming a coach or, you know, a self-help personality or anything like that. It it was very much about living a life of freedom, self-expression through photography and writing, all of which got put on the shelf after spiritual warrior. So yeah, so th- you have been on your own journey of self-expression. Now, before, like, please share about your art with with 
with everyone listening, because it's mentioned like millions of people have heard you say, I'm, I'm an artist or hear, heard Matt Stroud say that Brandy is an artist and about your sculpture, but y- you are multidisciplinary in your creative self-expression. And I know this is because we talked prior to this, that this is a period of time where your creativity is like just rising. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it, rising. <laughs> when, it's like when I stepped away and asked the question, even in my own life about why would I, why would I do art? Why would I express? Why would I say anything? Why would I do anything? Like it goes in from, that question is all over. It was like, okay, well, why am I creating art? Am I creating it for me? Am I creating it for someone else? Am I creating it to make money? Uh, the questions are the same, whether I'm, you know, doing a podcast or a, a film or if I'm doing, you know, whatever, a coaching business, right? Like, why am I doing it? Well, is it to make money? Is it to make a difference? Is it because I got something to say? Like, like, what is it? And so for me, it's, it just, I had to kind of get back to what is expression and who am I? And constantly people have been putting me in this box and telling me, putting a little label on what it is. Well, you know, either you're a filmmaker or either you're an artist. You're not both. You can't be a sculptor and a painter. That's just not the way it's done. Here's the model for how you do this. And it's like, whoa, why do y'all get to tell me what my life is, like how I can do it? Like as an artist, that's the antithesis of what I want is someone to tell me how my life can go and how I can create. And so when I released all attachment, to, I have to have big shows. I have to have big sales. I have to have money coming in. I have to, you know, whatever. I have to have so many likes on social media. Um, it started to free me up. I could see where else. I mean, everything I do is an expression. Getting ready in the morning is an expression. I'm doing art. I, you know, right. If I'm uh, working in my garden, or if I'm adorning my house, like with cleaning it or whatever, it's an expression of who I am. And so when I can kind of step away from the in order to's, right, then it's like expression happens and I can feel that flow. And so I did a whole series about, uh, it's called being in the flow. And that was the show that I actually did in, uh, Miami. And, uh, I did it at the Aston Martin residences, which was a very prestigious, amazing show for Art Basel. And, um, it was an opportunity that came because I released attachment to what expression looked like. And the other really cool thing I found out about all of that actually was I was, so Aston Martin Residences invited me to do an event in their venue, which is gorgeous. It's extraordinary. I wasn't a part of the official art Basel, right? Like on the, um, in the, there's a particular hall where they have the show. Okay. But yeah. Is that what Basel means? I don't know what that means. Art Basel. Yeah. It's like a big art show. Huge okay. art show. All right. Yeah. Very prestigious. And so it's, it's uh, not even artists. It's uh, galleries bring the work, their, their representation mm. of their work. So it's like a really big deal. And then it's, but it's still like a massive party. So everybody comes to the city 
And it's like days and days and days worth of private shows here and special that. So like the whole town gets behind it. And that's why Aston Martin had me there to do an event for their elite audience. And so that was super cool. And I walked those halls of Art Basel, like going, wow, I mean, next year, could I, could I be in Art Basel? Like, I don't know. And I started to look around and I saw all the artwork looked the same. It was not unique. It was not different. I don't even know where I would fit in, actually. My art doesn't, doesn't really vi- flow with that. Not that it's not the quality. That's not it. It's just that it's, it's different. And I really started to see the commercialism of that. And I'm like, huh, isn't that interesting? Like, this is what people are saying is cool right now. So the galleries are catering to what the people are saying is cool, which is what's selling, which feeds this whole big machine. So creativity and art looks like this because this is what's selling. And the more that they can stoke that fire, then the more everybody's successful. But it's for, as an artist, those people, I spoke to artist after artist because they would invite the artists to come and hang out in the gallery booth where their, their piece might be. And all of them wished they had had an independent show like I did with the same customers that they were getting for Art Basel, but they had more freedom to be them. And I just was like, wasn't that interesting, right? Like that those people all desire to do, to have the freedom and the self-expression that I have and the opportunity that I got when like, it kind of looks like, Ooh, I really am supposed to be in this official show. And so it just was more eye opening about like, okay, so why do we try to fit into a box? Why is that? Or a model. This is how coaching business is done. This is how art is sold. This is how I do social media. It's like, why do we continue to play that game? Whereas if we just sit with it and allow it to like really what wants to come out and be, be that authentic expression that each of us has, whatever that is, and find the joy in that, then the rest of it kind of comes together. Oh, this is so perfect. Um, there is perfection in what you are saying for sure. I've just spent the last, um, gosh, almost 18 months in one Seth Godin workshop or another. And I'll tell you, you, do you know, are you familiar with his name? Do you know who he is? Yeah. Okay. It's like one of those of courses, right? He's making his, his, his way of leadership is making its way into the mainstream even now, which is very interesting, but just for context, he, he is what you would call, I think, if you're going to use the word guru in the purest sense, a teacher, right? So, um, and he comes out of the marketing world. And he's managed to put together these environments online, which are comes in super handy in a pandemic, let me tell you. But I did his, um, he's got a different way because I've been searching for a different way, something that is more authentic to me that I can live with. And, and I'm one of those people who, if I'm not doing something that's authentic to me, I don't get the results. And I think most people are that way. But part of that conversation, Brandy, has been about the difference between being um, a professional or being a hack. And, and I'll define it because it, it kind of informs the, this conversation. The way that he positions professional is somebody who shows up every day in their creativity and their expression and they serve an audience and they're, they're doing what is authentic and real for them. 
And it's, it's kind of the harder path than the hack. And the hack is someone who comes in to an environment and does what it's going to take to make money and isn't really there because they buy into what is being expressed or so forth. They probably are masterful at the, the marketing and the selling piece. And as soon as the money moves, they're going to follow it and they're going to be a hack in that environment. And the way that he talks about it, there's no judgment, but you're either a professional or you're a hack. You make your choice early in the process. And that, I think, is a little bit what you're describing with it's like, oh, the the powers that be decide that the buyer is going to want this. And they're almost turning the professional, like the self-expression, the creatives into hacks to fit into that environment. It's backwards. It's upside down and backwards. Yeah. So, and the decision to not buy in, and this is where, when we were speaking, I guess a couple of weeks ago now, uh, it was my tar- turn to call you <laughs> and say, uh, Brady, <laughs> I think you're going to want to have more to say. <laughs> You know, it's, it's like you, you're, you're making a choice. You're making a conscious choice. And I think the, the choice to be in that, you know, terminology, the professional, it has to be a conscious choice because it's not the easy choice. It can be the joyful choice, the rewarding choice, but it's not the hack. There's no shortcuts. It's just, it's playing a whole different game. It's, it's, it's a completely different game. How are you expressing yourself currently? And just for currently, it's July 2020, because it could change if you're listening to this in July 2021, <laughs> right? So, but what have you got going on now? Um, yeah. So right now, what I am working on is my husband and I have bought a new home. Uh, we lived in one place for 21 years, which is a very long time. And um, we have bought a new home, a new piece of property, which we love. And we are designing our home from scratch and um, creating it. And, and so like there's a lot that's going into uh, designing the space, really having it be an outward expression of who we are today. We had our dream home back then, you know, and we thought we, we, we were super grateful. We loved it. Like it was expression of who we are then and who that is today is different. And so today we're getting to reinvent ourselves the way that you're, you're mentioning reinvention, right? Yeah. And, um, and so I'm, I'm doing a lot of that. And so there's, there's an easy spot to beat myself up. Oh my God, I'm not doing art today. No, 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 no. that's not it. Cause my art has expanded. It's about, am I feeling expressed? I consider this right here, this conversation, like being expressed is my art. I am fulfilled in this moment right now today. And I am when I work on my, my plans for the house, uh, we're, we're actually, this is COVID world, right? Like it's a different environment. And so um, we're not ready to really fly, get on an airplane and, and travel. And we still, my husband still has work. We're still running a business and, and all of that. And so we, we bought a van. So we're actually designing and building our little van 
so that we can drive and travel to places and still have that work. And it's being an expression of who we are and like how we would use the van. It's not how everybody else does. Yes, there's tons of Instagram about how to build it and how to do it right. But it's like, how am I doing it? How is he, how do we want to use the van? We're using it. We like luxury. We don't really like, and it's not our permanent home. So like, there's a lot of freedom, but like everything that we do in our life, is being filtered from a place of expression, not because that's the way it's done. That's how we're supposed to do it. This is what people expect. Um, none of that stuff. And so it just provides a lot more um, freedom for sure. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, before we wrap up, let's talk about, uh, let's, I, I almost don't even want to go back, but I know for the purposes of what this is. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Guru, the Wondery um, mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. You, so I called you when I finished listening to it mm-hmm. and you hadn't listened to it yet. And you said, okay, let me, let me kind of get my will up to go and take a listen. And then after you heard it, um, you called me and we had quite a conversation for which I'm so grateful. Um, so let's start with, this is about you right now. So what, what was it like listening to it? And, um, and how do you, what do you think? How do you feel about it? Um, yeah, so I was disappointed initially, but still like, it doesn't really matter. It's no sweat off my back, right? Like I, I, it really wasn't that big a deal. I was disappointed a little bit that I kind of, I got, (laughs) after saying some pretty awesome stuff in my own opinion, (laughs) in the interview. (laughs) Uh, Clearly. Yeah. I had so much great stuff to say. And then getting just like, cut down to, I'm basically giving the facts again about what I saw. And I was even a little jaded about having to recite those again. And so like, there was no feeling in that part. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't really feel like they were going to use that. I didn't, I really didn't think they, they, they didn't, they said they wanted to know where the people were that were in the sweat lodge 10 years later. So that meant they were curious about what I had learned along the way and how my life was different. And I was like, oh, finally, yeah, because my life is freaking awesome. And I think it'd be great to share that part of, of it. Yes, let's do that instead of like, oh, how horrible life is that I did this thing 10 years ago. <laughs> and then anyway. you cease to exist. And so for, yeah, Yeah. so I I didn't even get to say anything. Like there was nothing. You have no idea from that podcast who I am as a human being, really what it is that I do, what I stand for. Do I do personal development? Do I believe in personal development? Have I forgiven James? Have I moved on? Is it something I think about every day? Like all these things, right? You don't get to know any of that about me. So I thought that was kind of sad. And there's so much that I want to say around it, but I, I, the, the general feeling that I got after watching it was, um, first of all, there was some stuff in there that I didn't know, which was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, me I was too. like, huh, well, check that out. Okay. Well, that's good. So I appreciated some of that, but it really left the, the end was personal development is bad. 
like it's, it's scary. It's dangerous. You got to know how to navigate it. Um, it probably isn't worth that. I still got the sense that they were completing that narrative of, or not completing, but continuing the narrative of that. We couldn't, the people that were in the sweat lodge could not actually think for themselves that they couldn't, um, uh, make decisions for themselves and that they were basically broken and that they, they were the reason people would seek enlightenment or whatever. I love how enlightenment has gotten thrown into the, to the mix through these years. But anyway, enlightenment. Um, and so like the people are broken and I feel like that's a really old, old paradigm. And I think it's way more interesting to talk about like, where are we now as an evolution of the industry? And, um, uh, yeah, I find that way more interesting conversation yeah. instead of dwelling on it. But then again, it is a crime thing. So like, whatever, that's what they're there to talk about. But it did make me sad that it felt like the story itself is stuck in a loop of um, personal development is bad. People get strung down a path and they can't get out and that they, they, they're weak. They think their life yeah. is broken. Anyone doing it, there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then, oh, the only, the only solution is therapy, right? Like yeah. the therapeutic yes. model is, is, yeah. uh, the way is to pushed. go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's, I could probably go on. Mm-hmm. I have started to go on, on my blog. Oh yeah. Have you? <laughs> I have. Yeah. I'm going to say, I just posted an article today. I've got a couple of people looking at it. I might send it to you, but it's, oh, cool. it's there. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like, okay, first of all, let's take a moment because I suspect that a number of people who were there will be listening to that, to this, to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, hello. And we love you mm-hmm. and yeah. we miss you. And we hope that you are well. Um, mm-hmm. I've had um, I've had a couple of people reach out to me because, as mm-hmm. you know, like you get left behind after episode two, after providing <laughs> color commentary to the Sweat Lodge. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm in episode three in the investigation and episode four in the trial, and then I'm left at the trial, presumably still single and hapless, even though by that point I was getting married and have my stepson and uh, a new business at that point. So there's, there's, well, there's lots of me and, and my husband, Tony just listened to episode four the other day and he came home and I said, I think yesterday. And I said, do you see what I mean about, they were pretty kind to me as a human being, like the way it was edited together by, you know, between Matt and Ginny like if I had, I had no anticipation, obviously, when I went to see them at the trial and asked to see them, that it would be a part of a narrative, you know, so I'm grateful for that. I just couldn't be there and not speak to them. And, and I'm, I'm so glad I did. And I'm grateful for the relationship that that opened up, you know, even now, 10 years later. So, yeah. so that's it. But there's, there's no insight. There's, there's, there's none of the after. And it makes me sad because it feels like the, they feel like if they put any of that stuff in, that it would somehow validate what happened. 
you know, like that whole narrative, like it had to happen for, you know, obviously there's nothing, it, we couldn't prevent it, but I think that we are, are almost due an accurate representation <laughs> or a more round, well-rounded representation because I've never met a group of more caring, open-hearted, empathetic, intelligent mm -hmm. people in my life. And, you know, I don't think about it all the time, but these events and these projects and the fact that nothing has changed, mm -hmm. nothing has changed in self-help. And I do care very deeply about that because I, you know, I, I engaged in the industry. Obviously there's some change. I'm, I'm changing how I do things. I don't want to be, you know, put in that box or feel constrained by that box. But there's more, which is one of the reasons why I'm writing a memoir right now. And it feels so weird to say I'm writing a memoir. Like, who the hell am I, right? Like, I'm not a Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of my un unused gifts and talents over the last 10 years is my ability to tell a story and to write. And writing's hard. It's a lot harder than speaking. But even to have, you know, if I talk to Matt and, and a seal about it, one of the reasons why they, they, they chose our voices was because we both are effective storytellers and, mm. you know, it is a part of who we each are. And so it's being used for someone else's platform and gain and narrative and not for our own. And I'm, I'm like, damn it, I'm going to claim it. <laughs> yeah I'm grateful we're grateful for that yeah it was it was hard I wept at the end of episode six you know I mm -hmm. thought that's all there were I wept I was like oh my god here we are again mm -hmm. and uh and then I expressed that I wept to two or three people I had mm -hmm. to I had to postpone my real crime podcast interview because I was like oh I cannot speak to anybody right now I was, it was not good, not a good mm -hmm. few days. And, uh, and then I, I told Matt and I told Ginny and, uh, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody can get it except for us. And I hope that anyone, you know, or the right people are listening who want to do actual interviews and, and include the a fuller, um, narrative, please, you know, there, and know that there were at least half a dozen other people who interviewed for this thing and, and they weren't used. <laughs> They're just not even there. <laughs> so, you know, but I suppose there's a silver lining because I had the, you know, I got my courage up when I was invited to attend the Q&A at the end, the, the live. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I received that and I was, I was pissed and I was like, all right, I'm not going to let them know how angry I am. I'm going <laughs> to see if there's something we can do about it. And so I just replied and asked for a seat at the table. And, uh, and you've heard episode seven at this point, And so mm -hmm. have I, and I would almost say that I'm a dominant voice in that episode, which was surprising. So, you know, whether they're trying to placate me or, um, or felt that it added something to the conversation, either way, I'm, I'm happy with how that turned out, but it's like, you got to ask for, you've got to, I think we're in that position where people, where there's so many different agendas, narratives, people the confluence of so many stories mm -hmm. you got to carve it out for yourself yeah and I, I mean I I also see like 
each of the people, like I want to make it very clear. I did say some things that how I feel about each of the interviews that were done. And what I'm clear, the thread that I see, right, is that each of them were asking questions that they had the capacity around the conversation to even wrap their brain around how to create, how to tell the story. And so that informs the questions that are asked, how it's put together, the people that are even invited, and then how they string it all together. And so I'm super clear that, and, and I'm not condescending or talking down. Mm. It's, 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 it's really just like, that's where that person is. And, and it's a matter it, of genre too, don't you think? Like absolutely. Je- Jenny Karchman, documentary filmmaker, is going to, you know, we didn't know, at least I didn't know they had been documenting James since 2013, right? So no idea, but she's going to take what she's got in the can and shape a documentary film. Matt is an investigative reporter. He's going to shape for a true crime series, the story of what that does. It can be tough because, because it doesn't speak to the surviving it, where do you think the story you want to tell fits, Brandy? I'm clear I don't fit in in the narrative, right? I'm super clear. That's why I can't be mad anymore. Like, I can't. Um, I mean, I had the, the hurt feelings and such. And then there's like the little like, oh, well, there you go. There's another one that didn't tell my story. But okay, I got it. And it's like, where do I fit? Where I fit is, I mean, here we are. We're having a conversation about it. And even here, like we're, we're on time, right? And, it, and it's like, oh my God, I have so much more I would love to share about, about this and about where I see from the micro to the macro, like how this right moment right now and how it's all coming together, even us on this podcast and in the bigger picture, what's going on in our, in, in our country, in our oh world. My God. And everything, I believe it's all connected and I can see the dots and I see how, you know, personal development, how it's transformed through the years and like all of this stuff. And it's like, oh, I wish I could talk about all of this stuff. I don't know where that fits, but I do know it's important. I know that um, as long as I'm true to me and expressing in the moments from my heart, then it's all going to happen and the opportunities will unfold. I mean, I think one of the biggest things I see that, because I, I kind of, yes, it's very predominantly Jenny Brown. And I'm super glad that she's getting that out. And I can feel how that might feel accomplished for her and those sorts of things. And I'm super grateful. And I still felt like the um, the piece kind of kept going to personal development is bad. And the way to go is psychiatry or to get a psychologist or whatever. And like, I had a thought about that a little bit this morning. And it was, it was really about that. They use these terms throughout all of these. There's the self-help, there's the personal development, and then there is um, transformational industry. And it's like, you kind of see through the years how it's evolved. So the self-help implies something is broken. I never felt broken in the whole thing. Like that's not where I was. And in the self-help that is relevant. So we're not going to bash or shame people because they need self-help, right? Like that's, there's something in them that wants to be healed and they may or may not be working through that at this timeline. 
it doesn't mean they're higher or lower on the hierarchy of evolution as a human being. It's really just that they need some self-help, there's some healing. Then there's self-development. Ooh, I want to be a better version. Not that there's something wrong with where I am, but I'm always looking for what's that next layer? Oh my God, what if there's even more I could have on this planet? What? Yeah, so that's self-development. Transformational industry is like, oh, okay, so I'm transforming from doing all this stuff to being so I can be at peace with where I am and what's going on and be different, like it's a different way, right? So I kind of see those words and how the language has been used with each each of those to kind of imply the different brokenness of the people through these storytelling project, you know, projects. And like, I wonder, like, okay, so what's next, right? Like, so now it's more for me, my word, right? I don't know. I'm sure there's already something out there is transcendence, right? Like, what is the next thing after transformation and we're being it? Well, what is transcendence? So like, it's interesting to just look at the flow, I think. And to recognize too, I think like um, where I think what, what mainstream media understands is self-help. Because that's the label that's been on it for a very long time. It's the genre box that you click if you have a podcast that, you know, or any kind of show or movie that, that you know, if it's going to line up on Netflix or, you know, Apple Podcasts, or I know this from firsthand experience, there is no transformational or personal development box even to check. And I think language predicts evolution. Right. Like, don't I think I'm sure I've heard that before. And we both know that you create with your words. So I'm trying to wean myself off of using self-help for anything because of that pejorative nature, that implication that if you engage with me or anyone else as a coach or and you're and you're thinking about about it in terms of I got to get some self-help, I need help right away that that model of you're higher than me or you're the guru or a head there's, there's judgment in there and you don't have to go far to find out where that judgment is being used to manipulate people into different decisions too. So it's, that's fundamental. I see you nodding, right? Like I have to articulate. It's like, it's fundamental. It is like bred into the experience from the get go, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you've got people running around who've either arrived at it on their own or being trained to use all of these tactics that are manipulative. And that's kind of the old, I hope the old status quo, old paradigm, Mm -hmm. but it is time for that shit to go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? That's why I engage in these things because this is the conversation starter. What happened to us is the, I believe is the conversation starter. Now it's starting a whole lot of conversations that I could give two shits about, quite frankly. Right. Right. But I do believe that it crosses genre and it gives us an opportunity to, to, to like create that conversation above and beyond, like obviously you and me here, but with lots of people in the coming days, week, months, and years, Mm -hmm. as much as sometimes as I wish this whole thing would just go away. Right. Yeah. And, and that's like the other piece of it just really quickly is like, if we look at the macro right now, it's like, there's so much history that's wanting to be erased. 
right? Because, oh my gosh, like they did or said something that's so offensive. I participated in a sweat lodge that, oh my gosh, if I could just like, you know, wish that wasn't there or whatever, like there's, there's, we can't, it's always there. It's a part of our history. Now I can always decide moment by moment how I'm going to move forward. Right. And how I'm going to play the game and how can I, how can I apologize? How can I show empathy? How can I, all of those things. Right. But it's like, oh my gosh, like I can't, I can't erase me sitting there and three people I know dying. I can't erase me being on a really bad interview. I can't erase like all of these things. And how do I move forward? How do I get to still live the fullest life? And that applies to James too, right? Right? Like, I think that's interesting to even think about, like, Lord forbid that we would, you know, because it feels like everything has been bashing and bashing, but it's, it's, um, well, what point does he get to live on? What are, what are the actions he would need to take to do that? I heard in the podcast, right? Like, uh, I think it was Jenny talking about, um, um, that he didn't apologize. And it's like, okay, how, how can he move forward with that? Like, what is that? I don't know. It's for them to sort out. Right. But I, it is a, it's a question of like, how do we all, whatever we have in our past, (laughs) wherever we fucked up, messed up, whatever, said something we wish we hadn't, or we could have taken back. Like, how do we get to move forward? It happened. It's not like we're ruined forever because we were in a sweat lodge. It's not like any of that stuff. And so we're not ruined for something that our grandparents or our great, great, great grandparents did, right? We have to move on. And I get to be my own person in this moment right now. And I think that's what's important. And so those are conversations that I think are worth having. It's like, how do we heal from this? How do we use the experiences, those tragic, those horrible, those not so flattering moments to grow and to move forward. That's absolutely that is transformational. <laughs> and I feel like what someone might even say that's transcendent, Brandy. Someone might say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is so, so, so much a joy to sit here with you, you because part of I don't know if I'm gonna be chopping this into two or if you're coming back for several or what this is, but but Part of my inquiry of the last year is how do I get to navigate this? Mm. You know, I can't, I can't just, I, I don't want to just repeat everything you just said, but man, that, like that is so it. It's like, it doesn't go away. It's not thought about every day, but like I've left my DNA in the sand at Angel Valley. Mm. So have you, mm-hmm. you know, like this is something that happened. It's something to that doesn't define, it, it kind of defines us in that it's what brings us together in order to be able to do some of this now, I think, work that is, or it's not even work isn't the word, but to, well, we both know we've both moved into sort of conversation is where it's at, like you with your salon, me with my my leadership community. I'm like, wow, this one-on-one stuff, it this is not where it's at for the long term. It's about bringing people together to have conscious conversations. Mm-hmm. 
because conscious conversations change the world. And it's shocking to me sometimes how, how people just don't have that when my days are full of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I suspect yours are too. And, but the, the, the thing that I have been asking it is this, is it, how can I be me again, please? And ultimately the only people who can give anyone permission to express is yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's like, can I have this horrific, horrendous experience and have joy and be creative and be funny and stir it up because that's who I am. As long as I'm keeping myself here doing what feels um, constraining, that's not doing anybody any good. Least of all people, me and the people who love me. So this is the journey. This is the conversation. To me, this is the part that's interesting and valuable. So I love you. I'm so glad you came on here. It is such a joy to be able to sit and smile and and just know that, you know, we share this experience, but we also what the other things we all shared, they were just as real as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge cheerleader over here. I'm just like, yay. (laughs) I love, we're going to do this again. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, and in that interview that you did number, I think it's number seven of that guru podcast, right? Um, Like you were a voice for all of us. It's like, yeah, there was a whole bunch of us that didn't get are didn't get time. I got what I got and some people didn't get any. And then there's a whole group of them that still don't haven't even shared it at all. And it was really healing for me to be in that interview. And it was healing for me to know that although my voice was not the way I wanted it and all this stuff, you got a moment to shine. You got to get in a few things that were really important. You got to give in, get in that we're real human beings and that there were a whole other group of people that were impacted and continue to be impacted by this white lodge. And so, um, or our time there in that spiritual warrior. And so, um, for all of us, like it is felt here and I know the ripples out are going to be huge. I was actually, I was actually going to say, Brandy, just listening to you. I'm so inspired in that, a, I know I'm not alone, mm-hmm. right? And and it's tough in the position I'm in in that those episodes. It's like, whoa, I'm hanging out there, right? And you see that starting to show up in the media and it's not easy. But even more so, what I hope is that people listening to this who may have had or definitely have had their horrible experience can hear like, you know, this is like, this is the life of healing and the level of commitment and the, it it happens over time and it doesn't happen alone. It never happens in isolation. It happens in conversation. So, um, yeah. So just thank you so much for sharing from your heart. Thank you for listening to part one of Brandy Amstel from 
suppression to full self-expression. Part two will be coming up next. In the meantime, if you would like to connect with Brandy, you'll find links to her website, bramdamstell.com and her social media properties in the show notes. So make sure you click on through and check her artwork out. It's absolutely fabulous. This episode also happens to be episode number 70 of Free Your Inner Guru. And as we, uh, as time goes on, 100 is looming, which is exciting and, and kind of unbelievable. I guess it's just like anything else. You keep at it long enough, it, uh, it accumulates. And there's been a, a fairly large influx of listeners to the podcast over the summer, for which I'm very grateful. And if you haven't done so yet, and you're receiving value, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll know right away when part two and subsequent episodes are released. And also check out the Free Your Inner Guru Leadership Community. It's a new community that's forming around uh, the podcast and Patreon. And uh, very much like the interviews here, we gather online to have conscious conversations, conversations with nuance and um, which are sorely lacking in today's world, and or at least so I'm told. But uh, I know that I enjoy having them and suspect that many of you do too. So I'd love to be able to engage with you in that way as well. So on that note, you can expect to hear more from Brandy Amstel next episode. And I look forward to connecting with you online and uh, just know that We are all in this together, no matter how challenging things are, and we're living in some unexpectedly challenging times. Uh, I think Brandy and I can both stand as testimony to the fact that things do get better, and it's a matter of uh, staying the course and continually looking for healing and growth. So on that note, I wish you nothing but the best. And I'm Laura Tucker signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.